Hey guys, uh, welcome to the podcast. This is Pearl and Kenyon as per usual. So uh, this week we wanted to continue the conversation we were having um, about identity and like trying to understand who you are and your milestones. Uh, we can start with our things for this week. Nim is sad this week. Why is Nim sad? You can go into that if you want. <laughs> I think she needs to go outside or maybe go potty. That's possible. This is staring at you immediately. Now you pay attention. (laughs) I was like, I can hear myself. But it's not like the freaking speech jammer thing that we had going on with Discord last time. I know. That was hard for me to talk with. But this I just turn it down and it's not that bad. Um, Do you like that? Or do you have a real ID? Uh, No, I don't. It's a tedious process, I think. think. At least you have to bring a bunch of verification of your existence and like birth certificate and stuff like that. You need like three or two or three government verification, and then you also need bills from your current address. And I don't have any. Like I don't have bills. Jeez. Because I'm not like in charge. I don't know. I don't have any. Like the utilities and all that are in someone else's name. So yeah, I don't know what I'm gonna do for that one should definitely, like, get your name on there at least, because yeah. I don't think you could even, like, get a library card without that. I have one. I have oh, okay. A library card. Nice. Good. Yeah, for, I, weirdly, so when I first moved here, how I got my Idaho ID in general, you need that real ID type of stuff. Yeah. But I went in with the person, we were renting their parents' house, and they were like, oh, she moved in with you? Okay. And they just let everything go through. Probably because it's like, why would we lie about that? It's just right. tedious. But she already had an Idaho ID, and she was like, yeah, she just moved here. So I had someone to vouch for me. But that's just small town things. Yeah. Because I'm not used to that at all, where they're like, yeah, we believe you guys. <laughs> right. It's like, this is identification-related stuff, and if you go to the airport and you're talking to TSA or something like that, then it's like, oh, I'm gonna shit my pants. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like, big boy why, stuff. Why is the airport like that? But the same when I went on a cruise, it makes you feel inherently guilty. And you're not. Oh, yeah. You're just literally like, oh, yes, here's my boarding pass and everything like normal. But you just feel like massive imposter syndrome. Maybe yeah. not if you fly all the time. Like, yeah, I think last time I flew, it was isn't quite that bad but okay. every time before then it's just such a weird experience like <laughs> yeah like every anxious kind of feeling is amplified mm-hmm. and also i don't know there's like stuff with like the see something say something kind of thing and it's mm-hmm. like i'm going to throw my trash away and look suspicious and so you're just like on this like high alert of feeling self-conscious and stuff like that yeah at least for me yeah right like i was like i don't want to use the bathroom like right before i go in line because that looks like i just disposed of whatever i had (laughs) and then sometimes you are disposing of whatever you have i'm curious now though because this might be my espresso machine and i'm like oh oh yes worth opening for sure yeah yeah, I always felt that way, though, at the airport. Like, I always felt like, oh, no, are they going to know I'm doing something? It is? Yes. Hi. Today, we had, well, I had coffee. Did you drink the same thing earlier? Yeah, this is just, like, some Starbucks coffee that I bought from Costco. <laughs> there you go. Which blend was it? Uh, house blend. So okay. it's, like, a medium roast coffee. And we used to sell it 
in like the Starbucks the cafe, but mm-hmm. they moved that and like a bunch of other coffees to like grocery stores and stuff like that. Yeah. Weird because people do come in and ask for house blend. Yes, for French vanilla too, which we don't have. Yeah. And I know they have them at Fred Meyer. But it was good. Irish creamer and a shrimp waffle. Heck Perfect yeah. combo. And that's my breakfast really late. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> but now you can make his espresso drinks. Yes. Oh my god, you yeah. You can be fancy. Freaking you can make his... latte art. Mm-hmm. And all you can just that. take a picture of him. Yeah. Yes. And don- document it. Oh, I don't know why I said document. I thought you were about to say document. <laughs> document. Document. Um, did you ever go on a cruise? Or no. No. I did one, but it's similar to TSA where it's weird. Yeah. It's like... I'm not trying to sink this or blow this plane up. Yeah, like, yeah. Because yeah. they make it like a portable TSA, which I don't know. It's probably a security service in general. Yeah. And you wait in lines forever and they go through all your stuff and you're just standing there like, I don't have a bum. Don't look <laughs> at me like that. <laughs> it's really scary. <laughs> it's like, please don't take away my toothbrush. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anything with batteries or whatever. <laughs> right, right. I don't know, like, the most recent time I flew was, like, around Thanksgiving, and it was kind of a different situation for me, like, or, you know, different experience. I don't know. I was trying to be more present and aware, and I was also, like, taking a different ADHD medication, too, so that was, like, my whole trip was, like, totally different. But I was, like, trying to be present in the moment while I was at the airport, and I think it's just such a weird situation to be in in general that you don't really have kind of like a set way that you know how to react in like such a large group of strangers that are just like from all different like places in the world and walks of life and stuff like that so but i think you're fairly uh empathetic too like i don't know about the whole empath thing because i haven't really done research on what it means to be a true empath but i definitely believe in like energies affecting things and let me just say every airport i've ever been in has a horrible, like, nervous, anxious energy that you can't shake. And it's everyone (laughs) around you trying to get home for Thanksgiving, right? Yeah. You're just, no matter what you're doing or where you came from before it, you're just plopped into everyone's anxiety. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, I guess when everybody else around you is also feeling, like, anxious and uncomfortable too, then it's just the, that maybe the airport like just carries that energy and stuff like that. And then being like, feels like strip searched, not really, but you know, at the same time, yeah, it's scary. It's like that high level of discomfort and Mm -hmm. yeah, like risk too for that. Mm -hmm. High energy, don't know anyone, high anxiety, plus they're invading your space and your stuff and you and if they find things they don't want, you can face repercussions. So it could also be that. Yeah. <laughs> like all of it together. Yeah. It's kind of a mess. Was it better being, when you were being present, was it better this time than last time? I'd say you think so for sure. Cause like, I, I don't know. I was kind of like noticing the way I was feeling and then also just like people watching and kind of appreciating them also like as just, right. you know, other b- human beings from totally different places like i don't know where any of these people are from which was like also interesting because i was reading this article from aeon magazine it's like a long form kind of like articles page but they were talking about how later on in the roman rule um it spans so far that there were so many different cultures that were like starting to mix together and stuff like that 
So there was kind of a sense of community among people from different walks of life Mm -hmm. where they kind of like lost their identity and found a common identity in being Romans or whatever like that. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes they do like the bigger group will assimilate so much that you can lose certain parts of culture. But then you can still connect. Yeah, you can also, like, connect on different things or, like, in your common uh, kind of experience of being Roman. Mm -hmm. And then it also got into, like, people's fear, like, xenophobia and stuff like that from Mm -hmm. losing their, like, cultural identity or, like, feeling that threatened against encroaching, like, other cultures or whatever. Right, right. To feel like like if we accept others or, like, let other people into our culture, we could lose everything. Yeah. Which sadly is true for some, like, groups of people. They really can get wiped out at the same time. So, well, it's important to value that, you know, like, your own roots. Make sure also to be, like, rooted in we're all still people in that way where you can still connect. Because I definitely think, unfortunately, sometimes the winners uh, write history and they just white people out which is tragic yeah (laughs) but at the same time i totally see where the article is coming from talking about like we're connected still like and that's pretty uh universal that we can be connected as people everyone going for thanksgiving like you all have a commonality yeah (laughs) to bring you back which is funny because it's like completely different people someone flying from i don't know georgia you never would know them at all and you're just have you your life lined up to where you're in the same room as them it's pretty crazy to think about oh yeah it's like i'll never meet any of these people again and and you're also like in your own kind of like you can be whoever you want to be Mm -hmm. in that situation because you're not around like people you know or whatever so it's kind of a unique situation i feel like that's probably how people living in new york feel to just kind of like being around so many different people from different places in the world yeah yeah probably not having like much pressure from the outside to like be a certain way or whatever right because it's like oh this is just like such a diverse like place and like there's so many different kinds of people from different places like they're being them and i can be me Mm -hmm. i i would say when i lived in a big city i felt that more for sure like i felt more like um you can reinvent yourself whenever you want because it's so it's such a huge city like if you decided to change everything, there's enough people and enough saturation of life around you that you can do that. Versus a small town, people like know the same people. They've been here 20 years. And people like the things to stay how they are. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that, I think that can be connected to just like politics and like small town mm-hmm. versus big town. And oh, yeah. that's kind of what the article... The airport, the airport was like dropping you into a big city. Yeah exactly wow yeah. i never thought about it like that yeah that is like <laughs> i've ridden into the airport with my dad a couple times and he talks about it being like a small city and stuff like that and i'm like right. yeah it totally is and in more ways than just like yeah. being you know a bustling kind of like everybody has their job and they're like going with that and there's a lot of like moving parts and stuff like that yeah. to make but the whole maybe thing that's work, a way but... to like fight the airport jitters or the airport fears is to like like we talked about before remind yourself to be present to think about like every person and every moving piece kind of get lost in that aspect instead of worrying about 
them finding too much shampoo in your bag. Right, yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's a good way to, like, take yourself from the intense, high-anxiety moments. And I never thought of it like a city, but it's totally, yeah, a collection of everyone going everywhere, doing everything, and you're just one of the pieces. That's a crazy perspective on it, because I'm... I mean, that would probably make me less nervous. Like, the long scheme of it, they're not yeah. hunting your bag on purpose. Right. They're just moving it it's along. It's just, like, part of the system or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. It's like getting a ticket at a subway, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. I guess from there we can move on to um, oh, another section. But, yeah, how did you want to do, like the structure of the intro outro like what was the kind of like vibe that you're feeling you have to do a classic youtube where you're just like hey guys this is uh yeah me and you yeah <laughs> i don't know you know because i don't know like i thought we could always go by our gamer tags too yeah it's very easy and we already have them and true it wouldn't really do anything and then if we want we can always elaborate on that later yeah so true I also, like, don't really like my gamer tag much. Why? It's the best. But it's, like, cringy. It's 2000s middle emo. School. That's yeah, the best. That's, that's true. Most of yeah. our gamer tags are, like, and we made them in our most vulnerable time in our bedroom when we were, like, how are people going to know me? Yeah. Yeah. True. <laughs> Mine I just made. So that's why it's not, you know, yeah. like that. But, like, I also changed mine because you can change it once for free. Yeah. Now they updated it. Nice. Um, for some people, it like, gets stuck. We'll still say your old one, and you're like, no. But <laughs> for most people, it works. So, and PlayStation as well made it so you can finally change yours like one time. So, is it still like it's in a unique ID? Like, if you wanted to change it to something, it'd have to be available, or can you just put down like whatever? Um, I think it still has to be available. Okay. But people just add numbers usually when it's not. Yeah. So for mine, I noticed, and it's like same with Trevin's, if you do a capital first letter and a capital in the middle, if you have two words and you break them like that, or like mine is quantum, but I took the U out of it. Yeah. Or if you want, you can replace like an O with a zero. Usually that's yeah, how yeah. you get away with just having a standard because mine has no numbers i'm but so I just... picky about that i'm like i have to be like the only one of that one or whatever yes. but now it's like freaking 2022 and Everyone like made. every name has been like either claimed or somebody's like holding it so you can buy it from them or whatever yeah it's like weird but i trevin didn't have to use letter or numbers either and he just he made his like probably a year ago yeah. so it's like as long as you pick, like he said, pick two random words, capitalize um, two words you like, capitalize one and the other, and then put them together, and then you should be fine. Nice. Yeah. Or you could just, like, go by what we're comfortable with. It doesn't have to be the same anyway, if you want. Right now, I just, oh, man. Why do I have to hate my name? <laughs> I mean, like. <laughs> I wish I didn't. I wish I'd... I wish I liked my my actual name it's funny because that's a conversation about identity in general yeah who are you like your parents gave you something and it goes with you forever and for some people it's part of them like the moniker is part of them and they just keep it and then for some people they'll always feel disconnected like the way i explained it before the fact that my first name religious roots 
yeah. my two middle names, my grandparents' names, who I never met. It's their memorial. And then my family's last name. And my family doesn't... They do like me, but also kind of not. So I also feel disconnected from that. I'm like, literally feel not connected to any part of my... <laughs> yeah. And like, I guess like, I don't know, when it's just a reminder of yes. that too, then it's like, oh, <sighs> yeah, just painful. To, 100%. 100%. It's like, because I've also had people say, oh yeah, just you don't feel comfortable with your gender. That's why you want to change your name. And I'm like, oh, not necessarily. It's mostly the connection to everything else that I don't like. Yeah. That's mostly what it is. It's like, and literally like you've gone through like so many different things in your life to where it's like, oh, that's Pearl's like first life or something like that. And you're yeah. on like, I don't know, iteration four or something like that. And right. Well, even when I got a divorce, before I did, that was one of the conversations we had was where I was like, we were still married at the time, but I was like, it, it felt like I was ready to leave a cocoon. Yeah. And I had to tell him, I was like, you're part of that. Yeah. Which is like, no one wants to be told you're my past. Like you're actually left in my past. That yeah. is a horrible conversation to have. Um, We did have it. It worked. It was okay. Obviously not okay in the time, but oh, yeah. but that's part but, of the conversation yeah. to be like, season two. Like, <laughs> I have to, like, like you're still, uh, now I'm saying like all the time, oh, but yeah. you're, you're still part of this segment of my life. So if I'm moving to the next segment of my life, that includes, I can't be with you because you're part of the identity that I used to be. The yeah. values and beliefs you had are also how I used to be. The things you want in your life are also how I used to be. So it's not just like, bye, I'm on to new things. It's like, even who you wanted doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. The person you married is not me. Which means it's like, what are you holding on to at the end of the day? You know? It's just yeah. a crazy conversation. And it's just like part of you growing up and becoming you. And it's like some people grow apart in different ways. And this was just yes. like, oh, I am not interested in guys i was just you know <laughs> yeah. like following this life path that i thought you know i had to live and made people around me happy or it was the right thing to do or whatever yeah and even even in that life you like if you grow up any staunch religion and you do they always say same sex attraction you stuck you struggle with that they will oftentimes tell you and show you propaganda of people getting married to the opposite gender and being like, I'm happy because like I'm good with God and I have a companion and partner. Yeah. And you'll literally watch, so you'll see that. So even if you don't think you're doing it, if you say, I can put this side of myself on the shelf and then follow suit and do what I meant to do, you will follow suit. Some people don't. To the ones that don't, I am proud of them because like, it's amazing that they made that leap and I will give them 100% credit for it. But for me, I definitely followed suit. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like that's kind of like dependent on people's different personalities. It's like, yeah. you know, you want to make people in your life happy and mm -hmm. you focus on like other people and like I don't know like doing things for them and then I feel like there's also like people who are more comfortable with like following structure than kind of like stepping outside of you know that structure of like religion or whatever it's like this is the thing that is set out for me and this is what I'm supposed to do even though like it feels wrong or like not as like true to myself or something you definitely feel like disingenuous like kind yeah. of like you're lying in your life you have no integrity and that's painful at the same time 
if you're told that like family is the center and my family even says this without religion attached my family is very much like oh we're a big italian family family's first before anything else so you're being raised with that that family has the highest priority now if you told the whole thing is weird because if you told my past self that i would be this i would say you're crazy. <laughs> Current me right now would not live as past me because I would say I can't do this anymore. Like I feel fake. But yeah. it took like the personal growth to get to the point where I'm like, what is living with integrity? The funny thing with being in a strict religion is they define everything. So they have a way they define integrity. And it's like true to yourself, but true to your beliefs at all times, hmm. no matter what. You, so they put it in the light of like, if someone said right now, like, deny Christ or else, that's the light they put it in. Yeah. But for me, when I take a more humanist approach to integrity, it's being who you actually are. It's like presenting yourself as you're comfortable and showing people. It's really more about like vulnerability in an honest sense. And I didn't understand it at the time. I just believed what the word was that yeah. they said but now i'm like i can honestly say i live with much greater integrity yeah. now because it's like this is who i am the sad part is you have to ask that question to yourself which everyone can ask if i am who i am like who do i lose and you lose everyone who doesn't want you to be yourself but it's good you lose them because you have to grow but yeah. that's a horrible time too because you're like Oh, I thought you really liked me. Like, I thought you were really close to me. I thought we, like, and I already, oh, it's confusing because my <laughs> life, I've already seen patterns of it. When I first left the church I was in, I lost people. Yeah. And that was hard as is. Coming out, wave two, you lose even more people because now they're like, wow, you're actually a bad person. <laughs> like, it gets worse. Um, for me, though, I know that the people that I have in my life now actively want to be there no matter who I am, which I think is more powerful. Yeah. Like, I think it makes sense. Yeah. And that's like I've gone along a similar path, much more like it's just a different path, I guess. Like I had to kind of like look at my belief system and be like, what do I believe? And right. then like. I think that's that's like kind of an interesting thing that the church put a focus on is like your beliefs when you're in the church or whatever you have the beliefs that they want you to believe and you're like oh I need to like hold on to this this is like right. precious and like you know I can't deny it and then once you start like analyzing those and be like what do I believe and it's like yeah. I believe in these things and this is more authentic to me and that's kind of like where it's <laughs> okay um I get what you mean. Yeah. Essentially, I because I have to do the same. Like, you have to find your connection and your values in the beliefs you have. That's something I ask anyone who's religious to do if they have their own time, is to be like, why do I believe this certain thing? For example, why do I believe families are important? Your religious faith can tell you, but you also might have a value that you that is truer to you than just what they gave you so like family's important to me because it's supposed to be some a place where you're safe it's supposed to be who you can rely on who you can count on who's really there for you and the problem is once you take away the church's what they said and you examine it with what you believe family is sometimes they're different church is like it's who you're born and raised with and who brought you up and it's who you're with before and after life right that's a huge priority 
um, for me now, I'm like, no, families more can be chosen yeah. because sometimes your friends are more loyal than your family. They accept you more. They let you grow. Sometimes they let you grow more than your family does. So I think what you're talking about is dissection of like the belief and why you have the belief. Yeah. Sometimes it's more true for you to still have the value, but the reason you do isn't because of where you got it from. Yeah. And it's tricky to do that, to be like, uh, you have right. to separate them yeah. in identity too. That's what I had to do. Separating your identity because obviously people will be like, Oh, it must've been easy to just know you're gay and whatever. Hmm. Not very easy when you have to like dissect it from who you are. You have to like, Split your identity in half and be like, what is actually here? <laughs> right. What exists here? It's hard. Yeah. And, and it makes people sad too. Like your family and when you have to do that sometimes. Yeah. And that's, that's like kind of going to the kind of like third, like metamorphosis or like third cocoon level, mm-hmm. like then confronting your family after you've kind of like left the church, left the family found your new family and identity and then now it's like now I want to be able to like be out and like comfortable with that in front of my family Mm -hmm. because that's kind of like the the root of it all and then I guess the original thing I was like talking about with like the church and stuff yeah so that was kind of like my first step was like finding out what I believe in which took me out of my first cocoon level and then my (laughs) second cocoon level like my identity I feel like I don't really know what what's up with that or if I'm like working on that, but I feel like I'm it's a work in progress, of course, like right. it's all a work in progress. And then like, I think, yeah, that third level is kind of like being able to assert that to other people yeah. and especially like the family. And that's the hard part. Yeah. Yeah. But that's like the next step. And that's like something that we're both kind of aware of and like yes. working on is like, it's, yeah. well, and it's active. You're yeah. still doing because even for me, my family's like, oh, just come back, visit us. It'll be like nothing happened. That is catastrophic for someone who was once in a cocoon. It's like, let's look at these. Let's observe those options. You want me to pretend like I haven't changed completely? Uh, I don't know how to do that. Or the other option is you want me to come back and you'll accept me. But if so, now it's about facing fear. Because if they reject you once you're fully grown and this is who you are now, that hurts. Because this is a process. You've yeah. been trying to change and feel comfortable. And I made a Facebook post about this a while ago, which I think is very related. And I'll be hasty. <laughs> so the post wasn't very long, but it was just because I had gotten comments from my family that like, how come whenever somebody comes out, they just like change how they look or act or what they post or political values and beliefs. Yeah. And I was like, it's because the act of coming out is so like sharp. <laughs> it's cuts through the bullshit of everything you've been doing. All your masking, it's gone. So the way I explained it in my post was the person that drastically changed after coming out, it is because essentially they hit the rock bottom. They hit the point where they can't lie anymore. Right. So once they're honest about what they've been keeping closest to them, it gives them the ability to have freedom to present how they want because it's like, What can I lose now that I finally admitted it? Some people go the other route. They just start presenting more masks, start dating less, and then all of a sudden start dating girls. And people are like, oh, for me, I was married. So I had to do the get divorced process. 
start presenting how I wanted to, um, coming out at the same time. And then people were like, why are you presenting mask now? Why do you dress masculine? Why do you like beanies and short haircuts? And like, did you just do that because you're gay now? And it's like, no, like my post, I said, I've always wanted to present in a more masculine way, but it wasn't acceptable. So once you reject the higher thing, like, uh, how you're supposed to live. Once you reject that, like, status quo, that's what I'm trying to say, but once you reject that, it's much easier to be like, I can present how I want to because what do I have to lose now? Like, I already cut all the ties. And I think it's true for the other things because, well, presenting mask XYZ, it's more like (laughs) presenting mask and all that stuff, it can relate to identity. So with you and having different beliefs, once you change and make a drastic change and then you start actively changing things in your life to your new beliefs, it makes a lot of sense. Because sometimes people think your beliefs changed randomly, now you're a new person. It's like, no, once you change the way that you're going to live your life and choose it for you, your habits will change. It's what you've wanted to do. It's what who you've wanted to be. And that kind of like sharp change or whatever that people are like, what happened overnight or whatever. It's just right. like, this has been something I've been feeling for a long time and now yes. I finally feel brave enough or I feel impulsive enough now to just like you know say it out loud and like get it off my chest because I've been like hiding from it for so long and I feel like kind of like the difficult thing is like how do I want to present this when I have so much fear that I've been holding on to and that's been kind of like making me hold on to it for so long it's like do I want to like come out and like say it directly like I don't go to church anymore I don't believe in god in a way that aligns with the church or whatever or do i want to say like i don't know it's hard to say like tiptoe around it but also like present it in a more like digestible way right so some so the thing with me uh coming out and all that i have to say that wasn't even bold how i did it i need to give need to be honest about (laughs) that i literally moved across the country then came out and had to do it over the phone to my family Because I could not handle doing that in person. So not even that was perfect. But like the, I did present it digestibly that I was leaving the LDS church, the Mormon church. I presented that by slowly not going to church or drinking coffee or mentioning that we went to a bar. And then I got tattoos. Like I did slowly do that one. And that just comes down to how you think the people will handle it like your family how they could handle it yeah because sometimes it is better to do slowly especially with parents sometimes they're older sometimes you don't want to like give them a heart attack so you (laughs) have to do like the hey like once in a while i go but i'm not very active the the best thing i think for everyone leaving a faith tell your parents that you're like agnostic first that one is the good the best word that's a good <laughs> because then it's like i don't know there could be you still leave the door open yeah and then depending on the religion just thing that you're going less yeah and maybe it will be good but it is hard anyway the conversation sometimes oh, parents yeah. are like you don't go anymore you have no values now it's like whoa <laughs> that's a jo- that that is a steep cliff you just dove off there but right. <laughs> it's hard yeah and i guess like when I know the religion is kind of like structured. It's like once you give up or turn your back on God or whatever, it's like you're damned. And 
for a parent, that's like part of the reason why they brought you into the church is to save your soul and like be with you for all of your life and, you know, after life. And so they probably feel like they failed in some way Mm -hmm. or like you got pulled away by something else and they don't want to like see that as like just how you want to live your life or whatever. And I kind of think that's like how my dad took it because I was just like very blunt. We were having a conversation about about me trying to assert more of like my views basically and I was like well I kind of like want to come at it gently but I could also say something in a blunt way and not have it go over that well like I don't go to church anymore or something like that or I'm not Catholic anymore which is what I said to him and then it proceeded to go bad (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah but I was like I'm gonna like throw myself out there and like see how it goes so I can know what that even looks like yeah and he like was flustered and like i could tell that he was like feeling emotional about it and yeah. stuff like that and it's like yeah that's what i was afraid of and that's just kind of part of it and that's kind of why i like going at things from a more gentle direction right just so i'm not like causing people pain and distress like that but yeah. You still are. It's just delayed. Yeah, that's So it's true. like both ways are going to hurt. Because, yeah. like, for them, they're like, I raised you to stay in this. I raised you to, like, love this. I raised you in this to save you, you know? Yeah. So for them, it's catastrophic when we're like, no, it's not going to work for me. They're like, oh, my God, it has to work for you. It's God. Like, nothing else, you know? So for them, it's, like, truly heartbreaking. So whether it's a long heartbreak or a moment of being flustered and then heartbreak... Like, they're still going to feel it. The only way they cannot feel it is if we stay. And that is the trap that all religions put on the parents, is they literally blame them. They're like, it's your fault your kids left. It's not their fault. The truth is, religion should just be honest and say, we're not for everyone. Right. Or That's at least what being... they should own up to. Yeah. We, we're for most people who have a faith in God and want to go. But we may not appeal to everybody. They should just say that. Yeah. Because for some of us, we don't, we're not religious people. For a lot of the population, they're not religious. Is everyone just a shitty human? No. A lot of people just don't like to use their Sunday like that. And a lot of people work too. So yeah. it's like, it's, it's just. like values do exist outside of religion yes. too. Yes. Yeah, and your kid is still your kid, and you still raise them, and half the values you instilled in them, they still have. It's one thing that I say to people that leave the Mormon church, which I think is true for Catholicism too, I think it's true for a lot, they made you leave. That's what I always tell people, because the church, most churches, literally teach you to look for the truth, care about what's honest, care about people. Be compassionate. And then if you look the reasons why people leave, a lot of times it's religious corruption of any faith. So they literally raise you to care about this stuff. They raise you to be a truth seeker. They raise you to give a shit about other people. And then when you learn that your your church is a source of corruption that has hurt people, it turns you off of the church. They made you do it. (laughs) They do. Like, my parents always were like, look for the truth. Like, care about have the highest value and what matters most and then when i was like well it's not the church anymore they were like "Ah, surprise pikachu you know it's like you raised me to look for what's honest you raised me to have integrity and be myself even when it hurts you you told me to do it yeah one of the things that kind of draws people into churches like so there's this like are you catholic or are you not catholic 
right. to possibilities if there was some kind of middle ground or whatever or like i am catholic i am spiritual or i am not spiritual period right. if we were accepting of people who were spiritual then i feel like that gives it a lot more room to be more like understanding of people and to be more like open and less rigid mm-hmm. and that's kind of like one of the things that drives people away is the rigidity of yeah. like the religion not accepting other people's spiritualness spirituality in general because it's like if you're if a religion was open and was like oh my kid is still spiritual they still have a belief in something they don't want to go to church though think of how many people that would bring together yeah but it's the fact that every religion says you have to have me it's like that's the divisive thing yeah so i think that is the true point of growing up though in general because it does relate to religion, but also relates to a kid moving out for the first time, buying a car their parents don't like, moving in with their girlfriend, having a relationship with them before they're married, X, Y, Z, and that. Yeah. The religious stuff forces us to do it because it's on beliefs. So that becomes a little soul-crushing for the parent, because you're rejecting that identity. My parents were sad when I told them I wasn't a Republican, too. So it's like, it's the central stuff... The central stuff that makes you who you are, it hurts them. But part of growing up is to be like, the life that you wanted for me isn't real. It You made it up. Or like, I chose something different and yeah. it's because I preferred something other than what you presented to me or whatever. And essentially, it can be brought back to the, I know better than you. It's not, it, it really isn't that. Like, dear parents, it really isn't someone thinking they know better. Sometimes you have to make the mistakes, get the apartment that's shitty for the first time, or the car that's shitty that they told you not to get. Sometimes you have to do that to be like, oh, mom and dad, you're actually right. You will never hear that you're actually right, mom and dad, which I know that's what you want to hear. You'll never hear that (laughs) if you don't let them mess up. You won't hear it. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying they'll come back to the church you've always wanted. Right. But I've had siblings make mistakes that were drastic, like... Well, one of my sisters went to a shit party and it was in the cold and didn't have good friends and had to do a life evaluation after, but they literally left her with her car broken down in a stupid parking lot in the winter and she had to call my dad and be like, I need you to come get me. And it's humiliating. At the same time, don't you want your kid to fuck up and then they know to call you? Yes. You don't get that ever. You will never get that reward if you give them no freedom. You will never get the reward of them being like, mom and dad are who I can count on. It's like them leaving that door open. Yes. And then there's another thing I was thinking of too. I feel like we're kind of like looking at this milestone in our lives of confronting our parents and coming up against the thing that they raised us with. And saying like, oh, I chose this thing too. It's like confronting your parents is something that they probably had to do or maybe they didn't do. Either way, we're at a stage in our lives where we're individuals, we're coming into that and then being able to like go back to our parents and like tell them that. That kind of gives them an opportunity to also look back on when they did that with their parents and then kind of like process that in a different way. Like we're at this milestone in our lives And they're at their milestone of, like, being able to look back on, like, when they were at that point in their lives, I think. And I think the way they respond also can indicate how they did it. 
<laughs> yeah, or like or what how they their parents didn't responded. Yeah. yeah. My parents, they have traditional values. They wanted me to have traditional values. Their parents had traditional values. Yeah. The rejection that my mom did to my sister who got pregnant before marriage is probably very similar to the rejection her mom did to her when she got pregnant before marriage. You know, it's... Yeah. We talked about it before also, like generational trauma. I was just <laughs> thinking, yeah, it's like totally. this is a an opportunity for them to kind of like process things on a generational level because they're looking like down the line at like oh what did my parents do or like I didn't feel super connected to my religion either but like I still stuck with it because I knew that it was a good environment to like raise my kids in or whatever but like how does that affect me what do I believe and then you know that's at least like something to spark some growth in them too or like I don't know it's, it's def- tough. It's it's definitely hard because I can see both sides of it. And we always do that too. We yeah. try to give like the <laughs> other person we're like, ooh, I know you're going through it. We try to like ther- therapeutically talk to them about it. Like we're like, no, this is hard for you. <laughs> but it is, you're totally right. It's like they are reliving the moment that they had with their parents that went so bad or whatever, you know? Yeah. And it's like intense. Um, they can, they have the opportunity to fix it at the same time. What if they don't? But if they just repeat it, then at the same time for me, if I ever had a kid or just a vulnerable person by me who told me something awful, how am I going to do it? And it's funny because it's like butterfly effect and ripples. Like you think about it. Um, When I came out, I kind of knew what happened because I have an older sister who also came out and I saw how that went down. So I already kind of knew. My parents are very, will still talk to you, just don't really acknowledge that part of your life. Which, for a gay kid, you're like, what do you mean? Like, it yeah. is part of who I am. It's also who I love. They wouldn't ask any of my other siblings to just not mention the date they had the other week. Yeah. They wouldn't ask that of them. So it is hard, because it's like, okay, separate myself from who I am. How do I do that? And I've already done that in the other way. So it's like, it's hard, because you constantly... In, now, this isn't even about being gay. This is just about the end of the transformation. When you're transforming who you are you get the rejection from your parents not complete not like i'm not talking about disowned because that's another level yeah i'm just talking about you get rejection from them for your growth the hard part is to remember that if you went back you feel like it would be the same but you have to tell yourself because i've thought of that before you have to tell yourself it wouldn't because you will remember every awful thing they said (laughs) from you transforming yeah. Like to hear your mom say, if you adopted a kid, so this does relate to being gay, but this is also relates to like, let's say you changed your life religious wise. And they say, if you raised a kid, so you can sub in the words and make it apply. But my mom said, if you adopt a kid, if you adopted a kid, I would want nothing to do with that kid. If I went back and married a guy and magically had a baby with a guy and my mom was sitting there smiling, holding my kid, I would always remember that she said she would want nothing to do with my kid. Yeah. If I was who I truly was. I won't forget. Once you change and you cross those lines, you will not forget who said I don't want anything to do with you. And it will be even more heartbreaking to you if you go back to the way that they want you to be. Because you will remember that if you were authentic, they wouldn't want you. So never go back. But it hurts. Both sides hurt. Yeah, absolutely. And just going through with being who you are and not going back. Yeah, there is no going back for sure. Like, right. there's been several times when I've noticed that and realized that. And it's like, 
that is kind of like part of the transformation yes. and like you can't untransform or whatever. Right. But yeah, like if you did adopt a baby, then you can still leave the door open for them to say like, I still want you to be part of my life. Yeah. And then they have the opportunity to grow in that way. But it's still like, you're still feeling that hurt. You can't take that hurt away from them. The, yeah. the rejection of not wanting to be part of your life. But that's like the freaking tough part. Yeah. Well, and even you, if you had a kid and they were upset that you weren't going to have it be baptized as a Catholic, yeah. they would have to accept it, but it would still hurt them. There isn't going back once you've said it. You yeah. can try to do everything to delete it, but it's already happened. Yeah. And I've thought about that a lot because it's like, I think that's why the change is so drastic. And I think that's why it hurts is because, you know, once you cross that threshold, you're done with it. Yeah. Totally. You are done. Once once it's crossed. Because it's like, I've heard horrible things from some of my siblings. Some of my siblings don't care. They don't want to know. But I would say for some people, once they've already made the change for certain things, it makes it easier. Because yeah. when I left the church first, before I came out, I already heard horrible things from some of my siblings. About, like, my inability to understand complex religion. My inability, like, have I done any research? Do I understand anything? Am I just an idiot? So I've heard some of that from my siblings, but I hadn't had parental rejection until coming out. So I think that's why that one hurt me more is because, and at one point, like my dad tried to say like, like, we still love you. Like we still would be there for you. And my mom interrupted him and set her foot down. <laughs> and that hurt because it was like, even if he wanted to, he won't because she's not allowing it. Yeah. And to keep the peace with his wife in his household and his family that now has priority over me being family, there has to be rejection. That hurts. You won't forget that. No matter if your parents send you a card or send you a gift or call you on your birthday, no matter what they do, you will remember that. So to, to any parents, do not say something that you'll wish you could take back forever because you can't. No matter how many times you try to fix it, the fact that you said it that one time, you can say you're sorry, but you said it and you meant it. When your kid first tells you the thing, they will remember your reaction word for word. <laughs> that That's a moment. And the parent could say the same thing, that they remember when you rejected their faith word for word. Yeah. You know? But it's like, you know, I feel like repairing a family relationship versus repairing, like, maybe a preference or whatever is, you could you know, change your beliefs or whatever back right? or like fake it or whatever. But leaving that door open for like a parental relationship is like, I feel like of the utmost importance or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and for the person growing, keep yeah. yourself safe. Yeah. Part of the reason I moved is because I was like, I want to grow organically. And if I'm in a controlled environment with heavy restriction, I won't grow. Yeah. So get distance, distance yourself, grow in peace, and you will grow and you will feel great. Don't let the past hold you back. But yeah, keep the door open to be like, I still love you. That's what I think is the best thing, in my opinion. Yeah, because I feel like that's like, it's good for both sides to, I don't know, be able to like have that opportunity to heal. It's like your yeah. mom knows what she said and must know how much it's hurt you but like still leaving the door open for her to say like i know what i said can't be taken back but i still want to repair what we still yeah. have here yeah you're doing what you can and it still hurts a lot right but i feel good about i feel good about my side of it like i feel like i 
said all I needed to say, did all, I have no regrets. And I think that's how we should try to live. Yeah. With relationships. You know, put your best foot forward, even when you've been hurt, because I could have said horrible things that I didn't say. Mm, Yeah. I left it more like, this is who I am. I'm not hiding anymore. If that is uncomfortable for you, I can try to leave things out. Okay? I can try to do that. But it is who I am. I am going to post my girlfriend on my Facebook. I am going to put her on Instagram. Like, I'm happy and proud to be with her. You can ignore that stuff. But I'm not hiding anymore. Right. I can't do that. It's like, (laughs) take me as I am. Like, if you love me unconditionally, then... You know, here's And I have also opened the door for the second conversation I had, which is I don't want to come home without my girlfriend. And I've said it repeatedly and they have told me then I can't visit. And then I say, then I won't. Yeah. And again, people have told me that that's rude because I'm making, they're like, that's conditional. And I said, eh, you wanting me to come alone and pretend like nothing's real and nothing's different and nothing has changed. That is conditional for me. Yes. That is asking me to completely suppress who I am to make you comfortable. They've kind of like set this expectation or condition and you're saying, well, I'm going to live my life as I am. You know, you're still living how you would before. Yeah. And their conditions are set or whatever. Right. Right. So we're going to pick up on the milestones next week. This has been Kenyon and Pearl on KPOR. No. KPOA. <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs>